Ravi, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me here. Ravi, back when I was a portfolio manager many moons ago, there was only, I think, about a few hundred ETFs out there in the world. And now we're looking at, I think, almost 10,000 ETFs worldwide, something like that. Their growth and popularity doesn't seem to be stopping. So I wondered if you could give us a little bit of an update about what's driving the popularity in ETFs, what kind of product innovation you're looking at, uh, clients are looking at, and really just give us an update of where we are in that world today. So in our world, we talk to institutional clients and we also talk to wealth clients. So let me focus on the institutional clients a little bit more since that's my role. Mm. And within institutional clients, the single biggest driver for growth of ETFs has been liquidity. ETFs in many, many cases have become more liquid than the underlying securities. So for example, if I use Russell 2000, the Russell 2000 ETF trades at a tighter bid-ask spread and a lower transaction cost than many of the underlying securities. Wow. So if I was an institutional investor and I want to quickly access the small cap market using Russell 2000, I could very quickly do that using the ETF that's based on Russell 2000 than the underlying stocks themselves. Mm. That's a simple example of why institutions are driving ETF adoption. What about cost of ETFs? How's that changed over the years? Yeah, that's a great point. So as liquidity has gone up, happily for investors, the management fees have come down. Mm. And so if you look at the total cost of ownership, which is a sum of the cost to get in, the cost to get out, and the management fee, that's been steadily declining. And that's been a huge reason for the increased adoption as well. Now, I used to work at a hedge fund, so our job was really stock picking. But have you seen an increase in liquidity? Have you seen different types of clients, even hedge funds, moving into the ETF world? Our largest client base are asset managers. Yeah. So the biggest asset managers in the, in the world use our ETFs. And the reason is a couple of reasons. One, we talked about liquidity to get in and get out. And the second bigger reason is a huge source of alpha is asset allocation. Mm. Like somebody did a recent study with the Norwegian pension plan and they found that more than 90% of their alpha came from asset allocation. And so if you're doing asset allocation, then if you can find the right low cost building blocks, then you can get to alpha very, very efficiently. And so that's the second reason, especially a lot of the multi-asset strategies that have a combination of equities and fixed income, they use different low cost building blocks to get to the right alpha. Mm. And so a combination of liquid and low cost building blocks allow you to arrange the Lego pieces in a way that you can find your own alpha. So the world has moved on from active and passive. These sort of index building blocks are a source of alpha for active managers. That make sense? It does, yeah. I'm, 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 where my head is going is that people have perhaps got more into thematic trading because these ETFs can be so granular in terms of what they're getting, gaining your exposure to. Is that, does that sound right? Totally right. So I feel like if you look at the example, if you were like a, an active manager mm. and the value you're going to get between picking a Verizon bond versus an AT&T bond is this much. But choosing the right asset class is going to have this much in alpha compared to the little sort of alpha you get in security selection between, you know, Ford and GM or Verizon and AT&T. Mm. So if you get the asset allocation right, there's a lot, you have a lot going for you. And to do that, you need sort of liquid, easy to access building blocks and ETFs are serving a tremendous purpose uh, in that uh, selection. So you talked about liquidity mm -hmm. and I was an equities guy, so I'm afraid I'm not an expert in the world of fixed income. But I can understand in, in equities how liquidity can be uh, readily available. So as the indices are rebalancing, mm -hmm. it's easy to rejig. But how does it work 
with fixed income products because a lot of these trade over the counter. Um, you know, some of them are buyer and seller being matched, brokered. So how do bond ETFs work with underlying liquidity? Yeah, great question. If you like ETFs for additional liquidity, you will love ETFs for trading in fixed income. And here's how that works. Mm. Let's say you look at the high yield market. In the high yield market, the bonds in the high yield market have a typical transaction cost of something like 100 basis points. If you look at our liquid ETF, the transaction cost for that is about two basis points. Sorry, so it's you, 100 basis points. 100 basis points of just transaction cost, bid as spread, if you're trading the underlying mm. high yield bonds. So a typical basket of high yield bonds has a bid as spread of 50 to 100 basis points. Yeah, The ETF has a bid as spread of two basis points. And the reason for that is the ETF is an equity instrument that trades not over the counter, but on an exchange. I That's see, yeah. the big difference. Mm. So the ETF almost surfs on top of a liquidity layer that's traded between two people on the exchange and not through the over-the-counter market. Okay. So that's what the ETF done is liquefied a difficult to access and less liquid asset class. And that's made it sort of more attractive for a lot of adopters to use it because they're paying far lower mm. in transaction costs. Ravi, what about periods of high volatility? I mean, um, during during the pandemic, for example, a recent period of very yeah. high volatility. Was it difficult to find the true price of some of these fixed income ETFs? Because, you know, the bid ask spreads, there must be big dislocations. So how do you know what the, the sort of true underlying price was? It's another great question. So every time there's a dislocation in the market, what actually trades is what are the securities that trade on an exchange. So fixed income mm. is over the counter it's harder to find the true price of something that trades over the counter. Mm. But on an exchange, if you look at our big ETFs, they trade 10, 20,000 times a day. Even the most liquid bonds were trading 20, 30 times a day. So where is the true market price? On something that trades 20,000 times a day or something that trades 20 times a day? Yeah, and what point. trades 20,000 times a day is the ETF. And that becomes the leader in liquidity. That is actually telling you where the true market is. And then the underlying bonds tend to catch up a day later. So it actually so leads the way in price discovery compared to the underlying bonds. So actually fixed income ETFs have actually, they're a huge enhancement to trading bonds. Massively. They, because they've increased price. Totally. Uh, price transparency, mm -hmm. price, price discovery, discovery, correct, and liquidity. So T costs are lower, you actually find a true market price for exchanging risk, mm. and you're able to do it at a very low bid as spread. So um, sticking with fixed income, sure. uh, if we can for a second, sure. um, rates were very, very low for such a long time. I can't imagine there was huge appetite for that asset class. But uh, as rates now seemingly are in the mm -hmm. s mid single digits, mm -hmm. are you seeing a lot more appetite from institutions for bond ETFs? Yeah, I see two things have changed. There was a reasonably good appetite for bond ETFs for liquidity reasons, for tactical reasons, because people would say, listen, I want to increase my exposure to, say, corporate bonds. You look at the pension plans, they're always going to have a significant allocation to fixed income, regardless of your rates are, right? That's just mm -hmm. the balance in the portfolio. And for, for them, for example, they're like, hey, I'm gonna get a new active manager, but it's gonna take me six months to onboard the active manager. I'm gonna have something as a placeholder. And that placeholder mm -hmm. used to be the ETF because it is very low cost to get in and get out. So those use cases have been going on for a long time and they've been increasing constantly. So even in a low rate environment, those use cases were very useful to our clients. Mm. Now let's switch over to your question, which is in the high rate environment. Those use cases are still valid, but what you also have is a lot of people parking money in the short end. 
And at the short end, there's a whole bunch of ETFs where you can park your money at the short end of the curve very quickly and very efficiently to pick up the four or five percent mm. uh, sort of yields that you want. So both in the low rate cycle and the high rate cycle, we're finding ETFs to have like enormous application. Ravi, if you don't mind talking a little bit at BlackRock, how do the conversations go in terms of product innovation? Who comes up with the new ideas? Is it more client driven or is it more you guys sitting in an office thinking, what do we think our client's going to want next? So for most time, we don't operate a lab. It's not like we have five people with lab coats figuring out like this is the next <laughs> ETF and then we bring it out and say, voila. Right. Like that's not how it is, right? That's maybe the Apple model because they're, they're geniuses at stuff like that. In our world, we try to interact with clients, with index providers, lots of partners in the street to figure out where, one, what our clients want. And it's rare for clients to come in and say, I want XYZ ETF with this benchmark. Like that's long gone, right? It's more like, what are the issues you're trying to face? Mm. And trying to read those themes out. Like, you know, if inflation's an issue, like, do we have the right product set for it? Work with index providers, you know, like FTSE to say, hey, can we sort that problem out? That's the way product development sort of works. And oftentimes clients call us and say, you guys are the leaders in the ETF space. I'm thinking of doing X, Y, Z. Would you be able to help me? And then we talk to mm. more clients and say, can we build a little bit of a coalition of clients to see if we have the same thing? We've done something very similar in this case many, many times in the past. And that's how we sort of operate. The period from about 2013, 2014 to about 2020 is what, mm -hmm. in my head, I've got this period of huge liquidity, mm -hmm. quantitative easing, whatever you would like to call mm -hmm. it. And it became a very difficult market for stock picking in particular. Mm -hmm. More thematic trading was, mm -hmm. was working better. Mm -hmm. Do you think now that we're returning to quantitative tightening or higher rates or less liquidity in the market, is it now going to become a market where it's better for stock pickers and maybe less likely the ETS will be used as much? Yeah. I think uh, there'll always be some people, there's always a space for both. Mm -hmm. There's some incredible stock pickers who have an incredible knack and process for security selection. We think that's very complementary to still using low cost liquid index building blocks to generate alpha. Mm -hmm. It's still complementary for people having liquidity sleeves because they still need to take money in and out seamlessly and at the lowest part of possible transaction costs. Mm -hmm. So we think there's a nice sort of coexistence between high conviction alpha stock picking versus finding alpha through you know index allocation or through pure sort of index investing. All three coexist right now in a lot of our client portfolios and they'll continue to do that. So I feel like these things all are sort of very well sort of jigsawed together. So let's look out into the future. I guess by just what you're saying is this growth in ETFs is gonna keep going. You don't see any slowdown in the near future? Not even close. I think one of the biggest trends we're seeing, especially in the wealth space, is the use of model portfolios. Mm. And what's happening here is that a lot of money is moving into sort of index products because clients, uh, asset managers and advisory platforms are able to talk to clients and use different low-cost building blocks, especially across different ETF providers, across different asset managers. So if I was an advisor and I want to tell my client that I've got the best products of BlackRock and two or three other competitors. That's a powerful story. Yeah, That's a powerful story to take to an end client and say, I've got the best awards of all these different people. And these are called model portfolios. A lot of money is moving into model portfolios. And this is a trend that is going to continue. And we will see in the trillions of dollars move into it. If I would say there was one big trend, this is the single biggest trend we're gonna see in the next few years with trillions of dollars moving into model portfolios to be used by sort of end investors. And the, what and that's the space we think there's enormous innovation that's happening. That's the space we are very committed to. 
and working with sort of index providers like FTSE, working with lots of our partners mm -hmm. to see how we can collectively grow that space. How about the the interactions with retail? Mm -hmm. um, are retail becoming a growing part of your customer base or are they staying roughly the same in terms of? Growing part again for exactly this trend because mm -hmm. A lot of investors are finding that if I can use the best products, the best ideas from multiple different asset managers, and if there's someone who can put all this together, and so I don't have to pick between the two of them, that would be great. If I was a retail investor, I don't want to have to find which is the next biggest uh, mega trend. Is it robotics? Is it you know something in biotech? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. But if I had someone else doing that for me, that would take the brain damage off of me. And that's where, again, ETFs become the building blocks to put these little you know, portfolios together and become an important part of the client's you know, overall portfolio. So this trend is here for the future. Uh, and if we offer liquidity and convenience, like convenience is a very powerful factor. Mm. This becomes so convenient for them to say, yeah, I've got the best of all this and I don't have to worry about it. That becomes great for advisors and their clients. Ravi, that seems like a great place to finish. I want to say thank you so much. Uh, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.